Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 86. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun with over 60 color photographs of vintage cars plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com, click on the free book button on the homepage, and download your Filler Up book today. It's free at CarsYeah.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I'm really excited to introduce a very special guest, Tom Fritz. Tom, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Let's do it. All right. Great to have you here. Tom Fritz from Ventura County, California, is an artist whose automotive themes represent the Southern California car culture from the 60s and the 70s. It is colorful and impressionistic, with beautifully composed scenes lit with a hint of drama, power, beauty, and action. I think it's simply fantastic. Tom is a member of the Automotive Fine Arts Society, and he's won numerous awards, including the prestigious Peter Helk Award seven times, the Art Fitzpatrick Award twice at the Pebble Beach Concours, and several Athena Awards, and the Lincoln Award of Excellence. His work has appeared on numerous printed pieces in magazines, in museums, corporate offices, and private collections. And five of his paintings were chosen by the U.S. Postal Service for their Muscle Cars Forever stamp series. I simply love Tom's work. So, Tom, I've told our listeners a little bit about you. Would you take some time and share some more about your history, your career, your interest, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Sure. I was born in San Fernando Valley, out here in California, and raised there. And today I live about 40 miles away, so I've never really left the area. It's always been a, uh, a wealth of the automotive culture out here. When I was growing up, I was pretty much in the middle of it all. We had hot rods, low riders, vans, motorcycles. We had the uh, San Fernando drag strip. The Saga Speedway was just over the hill. We had motocross parks out at the end of Simi Valley and over in uh, the uh, Newhall area. We also had the Super Bowl of motocross in Los Angeles in the uh, 70s. I mean, it was just, you know, the uh, the whole area was ringing with pistons and exhaust <laughs> noises, you know. Yeah. Um, and it was all through elementary school. I remember looking out the fence at the street and and just digging on the uh, the uh, the guys that had the muscle cars back then with the uh, red line tires. Oh yeah. And the in the the wheels, you know, the uh the mag wheels. Yep. It was all I, I was just totally digging that whole scene. Also at that time, this would be late fifties, early sixties, through the sixties, it was kind of a different place. My father did all the maintenance on our vehicles himself. And because of that I spent a lot of time in the garage with him. And it was just a an incredible time. He taught me a lot about mechanics and, of course, the names of the tools and what they were used for and how to respect your tools and clean them. And 
I gained an appreciation for all the wonderful smells that surround a garage, like gasoline and new rubber and cleaning solvents and grease. And also, even to this day, I love the sound, that ringing sound that a wrench makes when you drop it. On <laughs> uh, and, of course, I got plenty of training from the master himself in properly announcing a busted knuckle. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Now, on the art side, I was growing up in a totally magical era. This was the American illustration culture of the 50s through the 70s. And consider a kid at that time, everywhere you looked, you were surrounded by comic book art. There were the animated cartoons on color TV. There were illustrations that were created for all sorts of media, you know, advertising, album covers, billboards, magazines. I remember visiting my grandparents' house uh, one of the trips my folks would take us on, and I'd be laying on my grandparents' uh, living room rug, ripping the uh, Art Fitzpatrick Van Kaufman Pontiac ads out of their magazines. <laughs> so, you know, it was just, art was everywhere, and I totally enjoyed it. I had a crystal clear memory. I was about three years old. It was very early in my life, but there was this pivotal moment, I remember. I was drawing, maybe with a crayon or something, but I was copying a drawing that I'd seen in a comic book. And although I didn't realize it, what I was doing was responding to the conventions that describe depth, you know, overlapping forms and varying scales. and uh, It was pretty much one-point perspective. I remember there was a picket fence, maybe telephone pole or something. But... I remember that suddenly when I worked on that drawing, there was a moment when the switch was flipped on. And it was that moment when I'd broken through the two-dimensional constraints of a sheet of paper, and you could almost reach into that sheet of paper with your hand and, and you know, go way back into the distance. And it was just, I was fascinated by, it, by that. And I was, uh, it was as though I'd, tapped into this magical power. Yeah, it was just totally exciting. <laughs> Wonderful. And that I started drawing on everything. And, yeah, I'd say a lot of my uh, subject matter was uh, cars and motorcycles. But it, it wasn't just cars and bikes. I was a kid. I drew, you know, <laughs> uh, dinosaurs, fighter aircraft, tanks, machine guns battleships, war scenes. I was a kid. But the thing was, I was drawing anywhere I could get my hands on, on anything. And in my family, we, for some reason, we didn't have a lot of clean white sheets of paper. It, you know, it was, the times were different. It just wasn't available. If you, you were lucky if you got the uh, back of an old envelope or something to draw on. But I found that you could draw like in the on the back wall of your closet in the bedroom <laughs> or laid down on the on the floor the undersides of wooden chairs made an excellent <laughs> you know oh my gosh yeah <laughs> uh, and it was it was also you know when you're doing that you uh start to notice that people respond to your art sure 
good, bad, or indifferent, you know. <laughs> yeah, your, some... your mom saying, stop drawing on the walls, Tom. Exactly. You know, there was a, um, I draw on my PF flyers or the red ball jets I was wearing, <laughs> two-by-fours in the garage, uh, door jams. Once in a while, mom would come home with a, the remnants of some butcher paper from the store. And that was really cool because it was a long sheet of paper that went forever and it was all clean and white. But in desperate times, you could always get the the uh, inside of a Milton Bradley game box lid. <laughs> that worked. Newspaper worked. But once I discovered I had this cool thing I could do, I couldn't put it down. I couldn't stop. My mom tried to fix it with coloring books, but that was a mixed bag. You know, you got to color in a coloring book, but you were forced to work within the bounds of the black lines. Mm. That was kind of boring to me. Yeah. Rather be in a world where I was running things myself, really. I think so. That's just what a magical story you wove for us there. And I'm just, I'm seeing this. And and this, was this during your entire childhood? I mean, is, is this evolved? Yeah, it, you know, it, it continued on, of course. In school, suddenly you're asked to do the uh, Thanksgiving uh, display on the wall. Later on in high school, you're the newspaper cartoonist, which was really neat because I got a grade for journalism, which was an English subject, and I was just doing cartoons. So again, it, there was this power in art. Anytime you needed something, a, a, a cartoon or a drawing on somebody's peachy folder could get you into a lot of different areas that you never expected, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it, there was, it was fun. It was a dynamic time. It allowed me limitless creativity. And so I went all through my childhood, in through high school, and this is what I considered my self-taught period. Mm-hmm. Later on, in, uh, when I went to college, I was trained in art history. I took design, illustration, anatomy, you know, learned fine art technique. I earned my degree in them, and that degree and the uh, education behind it uh, I feel allows me to express my emotions better and and uh, touch viewers in a more visceral way. Which you do, um, and I'll encourage our listeners to go and look at Tom's work. If you just Google his name, Tom Fritz, you just see a, a vast variety of his pieces of work. They're just absolutely fantastic, and we'll talk a little bit more about some intricacies of that and projects and things. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to start our talk with a success quote. And this is a saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And I know in our pre-show chat, you said you had two, which is fantastic. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? As if you haven't already done that, Tom. So take the wheel. I have this in my studio. It's not a plaque on the wall or anything, but it's on a sheet of paper that... It's within arm's reach of me right now, and it's kind of tucked under a stack of other junk. My quote is, it's not necessarily the best artists that will survive. It's the ones with the most perseverance. Hmm. And why it's special to me is it kept me grounded when I was first starting out. Really, I was wondering if my work was producing any resonance with uh, folks out there. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's pretty important especially for an artist because uh, starving to death can be such a nuisance. Yes, yes. <laughs> the proverbial starving artist. 
You know, perseverance, that word has come up time and time again in my conversations with automotive enthusiasts and entrepreneurs and business people, and it's just so important in so many ways. So it's a wonderful part of that quote. You said you had another quote as well. Yeah, the one that we, you know, the perseverance you just spoke about, uh, although I'm not facing starvation as much anymore, today, that quote, I still have it here, and I look at it occasionally when I'm searching through stuff, it, it keeps me locked in and focused on my pursuit. That's why I still have it here. It, it reminds me and it keeps me, uh, like I say, locked in. But my also, also my other quote that I had here, it's pretty simple. It's one I kind of live by. It's called, take care of yourself. And the reason I thought about that and how it pertains to myself as an artist is that it takes a lot of energy to be creative. And if I don't have that energy, you know, there's not, nothing much I can do. It's, uh, I don't have that energy if I waste it on other stuff, if, if you get the drift. You might have heard it's better to burn out than to fade away. <laughs> yes. Long song. Yep. You know, party like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I'd say it's better to burn slow and watch the sun up, sun come up tomorrow. Yes, I think you're right. And it's a, it's a great thing to remind ourselves as we get busy, and especially creative people, you can get so wrapped up in what you're doing and forget to take care of yourself from exactly. a, both a mental and physical standpoint. I, I go through that same thing myself every day when my reminder pops up, go exercise, go exactly. take care of yourself. For me, it's, it's when I get in the zone... And Molly can verify this for you. Molly's my wife, my, mm-hmm. my, uh, my partner, my best friend. I don't eat. Mm-hmm. And I can go for you know, a long, long time without eating. And it's, not, it's just that I'm focused in another area. So you've got to make sure you go to the dentist. You, know, you get your sleep. You go for long runs. Do your push-ups. Eat well. Take care of yourself. Exactly. Take care of yourself. Well, those are two great quotes for for entrepreneurs and busy business people who are trying to build something in their life, no matter what stage in their career. And I appreciate you sharing those with us. It's wonderful how you've reminded yourself to incorporate those into your life and in your passion for your art and for cars. Could you share with us a story that really instigated your passion for cars? Could you tell us about that pivotal moment when you really knew you were a car guy. I don't know if you could call it a pivotal moment or if I could pinpoint one moment. Um, There may have been many, but I think the earliest one for me that might have ignited the whole shebang was when I was quite small. I was in the garage with my dad, and I remember the garage was kind of dark, but he had the valve cover off of the uh, Chevy six-cylinder, this is a 56 Chevy with the uh, 235.6 in it. The valve cover was off and the engine was running. He must have been adjusting the valves or something. And he picked me up and he showed me the valve train clattering away. And I remember it looked really similar to the telephone poles behind the house. You know, the, the line of poles mm-hmm. as the, the valve train was, was heading back into the, uh, the engine bay there. Yeah. And... When he was holding me, he leaned in with the hood, and of course, when he leans in, he's holding me, and I'm falling into the uh, 
the engine mm-hmm. compartment myself, but he blipped the throttle, and I watched the valve train go into a motionless blur. And I was just, I w- that was totally fascinating for me. You know, he'd, uh, he'd blip the engine, and you'd see it go back to, clat- you know, just clattering away, and then suddenly he'd blip it, and it would just blur into, uh, you know, almost still. And there was just something, you know, mystifying about that. Other experiences, just being around a car. I mean, talk about marvelous with a capital M for a kid. <laughs> a car was something that always took me to cool places, like driving movies, the drugstore, the barbershop, and where there was always the neatest collection of the latest comic books, the hardware store. All these were cool places for a kid to go. And then it in the car itself, there was always neat stuff to find in there. Like uh, you dig around in the cracks of the seats. You look in the ashtrays. My father kept a marble for whatever reason in the ashtray in the uh, the old Woody. So whenever you started up or whenever you you came to a stop, the marble would make this clicking sound. <laughs> uh, that was neat. Oh, wonderful memories. You know, I'm just some. Reliving some of my own as you tell these stories and describe them. Just just fantastic. I, I appreciate that, Tom. There's so many pieces of our childhood when we're, we're automotive enthusiasts that uh, add to this tapestry of our, our fanaticism over cars. Tom, what I'd like to do now is, is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and, and really crawl under the hood and maybe get our hands a little dirty and ask you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you've faced in your career that really pushed you to a breaking point, but more importantly, could you share with us how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it? Well, I thought long and hard about this one, Mark, and honestly, I don't think I've ever had that huge of a challenge and and certainly no failures that pushed me past a breaking point. You know, considering that I'm an artist and I've got both my ears still intact, you know, I'm doing all right so far. Well, maybe there's there's something that comes to mind for you that because this part of, of Cars yeah is really valuable, especially for young entrepreneurs that are challenged or, or face some challenges, and we all face challenges in life. But maybe there's one thing you can share with us that was a learning lesson for you. It doesn't have to be a huge failure or even a huge challenge, but something you, that comes to mind. Here's a little thing about me, Mark. Mm-hmm. I rarely remember the bad stuff or negative stuff. I don't know why, but I tend to gloss over it and look towards positive things. And I, I, I just, I'm honestly, I'm just at a total loss for, for something that impacted me so hard, with, and especially with, with uh, regard to my art, mm-hmm. that I was almost at a breaking point. I mean, I've, I've gone through deadline crunches and, you know, you, know, you learn how to deal with that. Part of being an artist is listening to uh, critiques and, and criticism and dealing with that. And whether, whether I've just developed a tough skin for it, I don't know. But um. Well, I, I think it's uh, what's wonderful about what you're sharing is your ability to look forward all the time. And maybe there's a metaphor here that comes to comes in line with racing with some of my guests who've been race car drivers is how important it is to always be looking down the road and not worrying so much about right where you are at that moment. That's that could be true. That's I've I've had that discussion with uh other folks. Their question is always what's the favorite painting you've ever made? And I I don't have one. It's uh for me, I'm traveling down a, a continuous path 
And once I've painted a painting, I tend not to look back at it. I'm looking, you know, 10 paintings ahead. Here's a quote that I've used quite often. It's by Ayrton Senna, the great Formula One driver. And our listeners have heard this from me before. The past is just data. I only focus on the future. It's, uh, it's, uh, it sounds like a, a way that you live your life, which uh, I think is a positive, positive way to go through life and enjoy things. So let's move on and, and shift gears here and talk about the other end of the spectrum and maybe share a moment when you had a real aha moment in your career, a time when you really realized, you know what, I think I can make it being an artist uh, because it is a tough career choice. Maybe you could share one of those aha moments with our listeners. <laughs> it wasn't really a moment where... Yeah, I think I can make it as an artist. It was more a moment where I better make it as an artist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's called Failing Chemistry 101 in college. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. You know, talk about hitting a wall. It was a hurdle I just couldn't get over. Consider that growing up in the uh, San Fernando Valley in the 50s and 60s, pretty much most of the uh, kids out there were offspring of engineers working in, in defense and aerospace. You know, Lockheed, uh, uh, Rockwell, there was a lot of that. And you weren't, making a living as an artist was not something that you did. I know my father really wanted me to be an engineer or, or a doctor or lawyer, something like that. So I went, I targeted that, uh, that course in my life, and it was a struggle, and chemistry was, that was it. <laughs> and I, that's when I stood back and I said, you know, if I have, I can only do one good thing, and that's my art, and that's when I went to art school. And that was where I headed off. Well, good for you, and, and I love that story in so many respects in so many ways, and, and I appreciate you sharing that. You followed your passion, combined it with your passion and your enthusiasm for automobiles, and, and I think you turned out pretty darn good, so <laughs> that's fantastic. Let's have a little fun here. What was your first really special automobile, and perhaps you could share a memory you had about that vehicle? The first, I still have it. I bought it when I was 15 years old. It was a 1956 GMC pickup. Series 100, it's a half ton, with a short bed, numbers matching, I still own it, and it was my first vehicle. I had motorcycles before that I learned, I got my driver's license, the only thing I had when I got my driver's license was the motorcycle, I took my driver's test in my, my dad's, uh, my parents' 56 Chevy, but I still have the truck, I bought it from a gardener in North Hollywood, and took it home into the garage and I reworked it from radiator to taillights. I rebuilt the Pontiac 347 engine that's in it now, the transmission. I repainted it for 200 bucks. Let's see, I had it reupholstered and pretty much cleaned it up. I put a oak bed in it and that was my daily driver. <laughs> that's so cool that you still have it too. <laughs> I took it up to Mammoth Mountain, uh, skiing on several trips I hauled a sailboat with it up to Castaic Lake several summers. I drove it to college every day. Had a lot of late nights cruising in the San Fernando Valley in the truck. I mean, yeah, I st still got it, and it's still just a, a big package of memories. 
How about seller's remorse? Is there a vehicle that you've had in your life that you've sold that you really wish you could have it back? Well, I've still got my first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. You do, yeah. don't you? <laughs> well, I've only and I've only sold one car in my life, and that was my '87 Toyota pickup. Oh my gosh! I drove the legs off that thing. It had three hundred uh, thousand, and I still had the original clutch in that. Wow! So, wow. and it's it was a good truck. Uh, like I said, I just drove the legs off of it, and uh, do I wish I still had it back? Mm, not really. Because you've got the truck you really like. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Is there a current project that you're working on right now, Tom, that really has you excited and fired up? My projects are my art. And, well, let me <laughs> I've got a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> well, maybe you could pick one that has a lot of meaning to you today. <laughs> Since you probably are like trying to pick your favorite painting is like saying my favorite kid. Yeah, the projects, I mean, the projects that I have that excite me, Every one of them, I guess what would excite me is doing them in smaller smaller baby steps, they say. Um, you know, I've got my grandparents' 54 Chevy in the garage. Um, I've got six motorcycles that have been in my life since I was five years old. Wow. And each one of them, I keep them running, but they require maintenance. And so, you know, it's always a uh, a carburetor to be redone or... You know, there's always some little projects, and each one excites me, but I can't, in the scope of what most people consider a project, I don't have the time for because my art is always foremost. Sure. And it draws you away, and, you know, I I just hate to have something so big that I just can't get to it anymore. Is there a a piece of art you're working on right now that, that you could share with us that's really exciting for you? Yes, I'm doing a, a large painting that is the branding image for a studio called Bandito Brothers. They produced a movie a couple years ago called Act of Valor that had some uh, uh, Navy SEALs acting in it. And this image is their branding image. It's a lar- rather large canvas, a three foot by seven foot, and... I've been working on the image for quite a while and doing a lot of research on it, and it's time now to commit it to canvas. Great. It sounds fantastic. Now, here's a funny question for you. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Mark, I don't think I'd be a car. I think I'd be a truck. Okay. <laughs> uh, and it would be, It's just a pickup. I don't think I'd be too large. Certainly, I wouldn't be the snazziest ride around. Um, see, I'm an observer, and my nature is to kind of stand back and watch human stories that surround situations. Mm-hmm. So I don't require constant attention. I, I don't care about my good looks, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can go through my day being confident that I can do whatever I need to do. I can do it. I'm practical. I like to work hard. I like to go wherever I want and carry what I need for when I get there. You know, if, if I want to take the bikes to the desert, I can throw them in the back. I don't care too much about having the best of things, although I do buy quality tools once. I'm not too much into brand names. I'm usually dressed in shorts, T-shirts, and flip-flops. I don't spend my money on stuff I don't need. Um, <laughs> kind of boring, I guess. <laughs> no, I love the way you answered that question, and I'll give you a little... 
insight on that question. I had a different question in my interviews originally, and the artist Harold Cleworth, who I believe you know, Harold, he gave me the idea for this question, and I'm so glad he did because it really brings out when people answer it honestly, not they don't answer it in the way uh, the favorite car, but who they who they are relating to a vehicle, and that's what you just did, and and I love that. So I always thank Harold for uh, for introducing me to that question. If if you want to hear his answer, you can go back and listen to his interview at carsyad.com and his his answer to that was was uh, typical Harold Cleworth, very flamboyant and crazy and wild and and uh, fun. But if you uh, if you think that's a tough question, you can blame him for that one. <laughs> so we're up to the last lap here, Tom, and this is a fun part of our talk. It's when I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Let's go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? I think the best I ever got was from my dad, and it's two words, jack stands. <laughs> Don't get jack stands. Yes, be safe, be safe. That's a good one. Yeah, thank you, Dad, for that one. Could you share one of your personal habits that you think has contributed to your success? I keep my wrist moving constantly. It isn't a drudge. You know, I love my work, and I have this need to create. Uh, I think it's driven by my passion. I'm always searching for new ideas, um, not only in terms of my vision and design, but for my imagery that hopefully audiences will like. It's that perseverance again that we talked about earlier. I like that. Do you have any interesting hobbies outside of your passion for cars? I run distances most every day. I enter about five races a year, usually 10K races. Um, This gets me out of the chair. It gets my blood moving around. puts my head into a really calm, receptive state when I run. Um, I seem to think up a lot of cool stuff when I'm running. You get that runner's high, I guess. I just have to pull myself away from the easel a lot. And every so often, uh, uh, every year, in fact, in the uh, springtime and in early autumn, I'll take a solo week-long backpacking trips in either the uh, northern Ventura County here or up in the Sierra Nevada. Just It's a, a time of cleansing and and uh, introspection, a lot of quiet time where you ask questions and answer questions, that sort of thing. Oh, fantastic. All right, Tom, we're up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy for some people, but maybe not for you. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and this is something you can't sell to buy a bunch of other cars with, and I'm going to buy you whatever you want today, money's no object, what would that vehicle be, and why did you choose it? (laughs) <laughs> I already have it, Mark. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. It's my truck. <laughs> I know. You already, you're one of those very lucky guys. But hey, that, you could still throw some money at me. <laughs> well, well, I, and that's why I asked this question, because uh, maybe we can go past the fact that you already have it. But is there another vehicle? If you could have anything, and I'm going to buy you whatever you want today, so you can pick any car you want. Is there one you've seen in your past that really comes back to mind? You know, I've... I've I thought about this, and you could buy me anything, and I appreciate that. But what you can't buy in any new vehicle is the memories that tie you to that vehicle. And those are priceless. They're irreplaceable. You can't take them from me. I can't sell them to you. That truck, every time I climb in it, the sound the door makes when it closes, the way that the clutch pedal when you release it, the way it uh, hits the floor of the truck, the smells, the way the windows roll down, the view looking out over the hood with the uh, 
the headlights, you just, you know, <laughs> you can't buy that. I love your answer. That's a great answer. Uh, probably one of the most original that I've heard. So appreciate that. Tells us a lot about who Tom Fritz really is. Tom, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed talking with you. And want to thank you for sharing your journey with me and with the Cars Yeah listeners. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that truck of yours? I would just say uh, love your life and love the one you're with. <laughs> I've got I've to give a, a, a shout-out here to Molly. She's my best friend, and she's put up with all the uh, intricacies and nuances of, of me and who I am, and that's just powerful powerful uh, magic. I hope everyone out there uh, at some point can have the same thing I've got. Well, you are a very fortunate man, and I share that. I just celebrated 30 years with my wife, Jill, and she has certainly put up with my uh, automotive uh, craziness over these many years and indulged my passion for cars, and it sounds like uh, Molly's the same kind of lady in your life. What is the best way for our listeners to learn more about you, Tom? Is it your website? It's www.fritzart, that's one word, .com. And uh, I encourage our listeners to go look at Tom's art if you've not experienced it. He's one of my favorite artists. The way that you paint and use light, and I'll tell you, all the letters that I mail from my house have your artwork stamped right (laughs) on the front. I bought a massive supply of those from the U.S. Postal Service when those came out, and I always love sticking those on my letters, and I'm sure when people get them, they go, oh, there's Mark's letter with Tom's artwork on the front. Uh, great job there. That's fantastic. Good deal. So listeners, I'll remind you again, you can go to carsyad.com slash Tom Fritz. That's F-R-I-T-Z. And you can see his show notes page and find links to his website and experience what Tom is creating. Tom, I want to thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and sharing your journey with me and the listeners. It's been fantastic. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark. It was an honor to do the show with you. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!